It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Good Friday afternoon to you. A warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 companies picked by you, two expert guests, all in an hour. On the 9th of July, I'm Nadine Blaney. Now, warm welcome to everybody who's watching us, not just via our own live stream, but also if you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, we welcome you to the program and we do this every day of the week, really, between 12 and 1 p.m. Eastern. So yeah, hop on board and you can listen to it on repeat on our website app or via the podcast as well. I'm going to ignore the state of the market on this Friday afternoon today because we have got a great guest panel lined up for you. And don't forget, we're talking about stocks that could potentially change your life. Big warm welcome to Rudy Philippek van Dyke from FN Arena and Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Guys, welcome to you both. I hope everybody's staying safe and happy in lockdown, wherever you may be. Rudy, I'll start with you. What is a company that has the potential, you think, to change an investor's life, to really change the trajectory of your returns in the future? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm having the luck of the timing uh, today. Yes, you uh, are. My... <laughs> Listen, when I got the question, I mean, it, it goes without saying that uh, to, for stocks to change your life, it means that you stay on board for quite a while and you go through through the volatility that that is that goes with stocks and and predominantly you probably end up with a small cap ish growth stock that hasn't been fully uh, discovered yet by the investment community i picked this week i picked alternate group the company code is ad8 and my understanding is that um uh, another expert earlier in the week uh, picked this stock as well. Well, great minds um, think alike, don't they, Rudy? And just to your point, yes, we have yes, had yes, a profit yes, upgrade yes, coming from Audinate yes. just today. But for the record, just to, to make sure our viewers know we're keeping you honest, Rudy did, in fact, nominate this company yesterday, pre the announcement today. Yes, absolutely. And and I to, to keep me really honest, I bought this stock myself a few weeks ago. Um, on, on the expectation basically that uh, the market was uh, treating it a little bit uh, not unfairly I think uh, for people who are not familiar with this stock and I'm obviously I'm, I'm, I'm lucky today the market is down this stock is up by, by more than four and a half percent because they upgraded the market today but this was one of the reasons why I bought this stock one of them because I do believe that this stock potentially 
could become a uh, dangbagger, as they as they as they call it in the jargon, which which could mean <laughs> a lot of growth uh, for for a prolonged period of time. And in very very simplistic terms, forget about the numbers, forget about how cheap or expensive the stock is, because that or the long run is is merely a detail. This is a this is one of those uh, technology stocks we have on the on the stock exchange that uh, is apparently. Uh, amongst the best in the world available, this company is aim is to change the the industry that uh, basically is in sound, uh, predominantly for music and for sound. And we have to think about uh, the teenager who plays music at home, as well as the churchgoers on Sunday and the guys who go to a football stadium, uh, which is a bit strange for Australia, but they do it in Europe where they have a Euro, Euro uh, going on. And um, these guys are developing what potentially can become the standard globally for, for sound systems. They develop their own software, their own, their own chips. It's, it's relatively early days, but if you take a positive view, then this could be a, a great starting point. And it's an Australian tech company, to be clear. Yeah. It does stand to benefit from the reopening trade, and that's what today's announcement and profit upgrade came off the back of, which is something we've been talking about here on the channel in terms of Autonate over the past you know, 18 months or so. But just for our viewers watching, that's not even why you're buying it today, Rudy, is it? It's because no. of that long-term, you know, the glory, the blue sky that is potential, yes. uh, potentially on the horizon. Claude, just you know, putting you on the spot, but do you have any thoughts on Autonate? I mean, do you agree with Rudy's investment thesis? Uh, yeah, I basically do. I own shares in Autonate as well. Unfortunately for me, what happened was that uh, I sold some in in Mar uh, in some point in 2020 in the hope of buying back lower and then forgot to buy mm -hmm. back lower and have just sort of watched it go up and up. So I still own some shares because basically it's too high quality a company not to own shares in. Uh, the reason that I don't have a bigger holding is I've been a little bit uh, greedy, I guess, trying to hold out for a better price. And yeah, and you know, with today's update, I have to say my first instinct was, okay, this is what I've been waiting for. Because if you actually look at the uh, the chart of their US dollar revenue, which I've scheduled to tweet out fairly soon, uh, you can see that, you know, this is the half now where it's really gone onto a new record kind of thing. So now my thesis that it would be hit hard by coronavirus and its revenue would go down. Well, I think that's finished now and, and I should have already bought back in. And now my reason for having such a small holding is dead. So my first instinct was I should probably buy shares. I didn't buy any yet today, but certainly um, I think I need to make it a slightly bigger holding because it's just yeah. far too small for me, uh, given how high quality it is. Good, all right. Well, now to your life-changing stock, Claude, and I think this is sort of right up your alley, so hit us. Yeah, right, so um, I've gone with one that is like a fairly high conviction holding for me. Now, that doesn't mean it, it's going to always go straight up. It's, it's a small company, uh, about $164 million market cap called Energy One. Now, what Energy One does is they uh, provide a range of software solutions to um, participants in the wholesale energy markets. So the most obvious kind of customer are people like, um, I think, uh, you know, Energy Australia and AGL, uh, who obviously are very active in the um, energy trading market. Now, when you're doing energy trading, you need to have a lot of, you know, controls. Things can move quickly. In fact, 
you know, the the business has gone from about uh, 30 minute settlements towards, and it's moving towards only five minute settlements. So because you have all of these liabilities and obligations to deliver energy or buy energy at certain prices, and that can always change frequently throughout the day, it really is a great fit for having software to do a lot of that work to make sure people don't make mistakes and also make sure that the companies themselves don't take on some terrible liability that could end up blowing a hole in their profit and loss. So that's what their core business is in Australia. That's what they've always done. Now, what they have done in recent years is they've made a couple of acquisitions in Europe to expand over there. Now, they are acquisitions of companies that are in the same space so that that's added to the technology suite, but also that's given them a, a little bit of an ability to sell into Europe now. So they're getting growth there as well. Now, the key thing to remember about this company is that only about 80, 85%, I think, of its um, revenue is recurring revenue. So unlike um, you know other companies that are full recurring revenue, you, you don't always see every single half have the revenue go up. And that's what we are expecting in the next half. It's guided to have pretty much flat or slightly down revenue because they've had a bit of a lumpy success in the first half. But if you just look at the recurring revenues, um, in the last half, that was about 11.2 million, slightly under. If we just use the last half and say, okay, annualized recurring revenues is 22.3 million, and then look at the market cap of 164 million, what we've got is a company trading on 7.3 times annualized recurring revenue. Now, take a step back. What we also know is these guys are free cash flow positive, so they don't need to raise capital except for acquisitions and stuff like that. And on top of that, uh, you know, they make a profit, they've historically paid a dividend, and they have great insider alignment. Now, some of the directors have been taking a little bit off the table lately, which is understandable given that the share price has risen from like under $2 to over $6 in, in like a year. Um, but even after selling some, you've got, you know, one director with 4.9%, another with 16.1%, and the chair's got 2%, and Ian Ferrier owns $43 million worth, um, or 26%. Um, and, and so these guys are sort of serious, um, you know, this guy's the um, founder of the um, Ferrier Hodgson firm and the chairman of Goodman. Like these guys are serious guys. Like I don't think you see them getting involved in some sort of, um, you know, small cap stock mm -hmm. promote. Like I think they're trying to build like a really good business long term. So I kind of have a degree of trust for them, um, especially since um, they did a capital raising for small retail shareholders when... Uh, when they did a discount capital raising, they make sure they included yeah. the small guys as well. So that's a good sign as well. So yeah, for that reason, I think this company can benefit from growth. It has plenty of room to grow, not really in Australia, but certainly in Europe. And then it, even if it acquires in the US, it might do that in the long term. And then of course, like at 7.3 times ARR, I don't think it's very highly priced for a cash flow positive, profitable software company. Good. And uh, Rudy, just to be fair, I mean, can you poke holes in that investment thesis? Or happy to go with Rudy's, <laughs> Rudy's view? I'm happy to go with with Claude's view. I think people people would Sorry, already probably probably be surprised that uh, that I went for Ordinate Group, which which in in my world is already a small cap. Yeah. I think Claude went uh, small long in my small cap, uh, and and also the, I am I'm not familiar enough with this particular uh, market, which is very very small in itself. So I, I'm not so sure what, how that um, translates into into longer term 
uh, profit growth for uh, for this particular company. But I mean, I'm happy to go with uh, with Claude's conviction on this one. Yeah, good. All right. So that is Audinate and Energy One. Thanks for that, guys. Let's get on to some of the companies that have been nominated by our viewers. And the first one is People Infrastructure. The ticker code is PPE. Raj gives us the details on this company. It is a labor hire organization, works across many uh, many sectors, but uh, Raj is pointing out that we've got a Royal Commission on Aged Care, potential new requirements for minimum staffing ratios. Uh, you know, COVID has put the light on some of the areas that uh, PPE operates in. So Raj wants to know if you think that there will be an increase in demand for the company's services and if it's investable right now, Claude. Uh, increase probably long term. I uh, I would say that it, it it generally speaking, this kind of business, unfortunately, in my view, is in a long term growth trend. Uh, however, that doesn't mean it's the kind of business that I want to necessarily hold for the long term. Now, credit where credits due. I think you can see even from that one year ch chart. But even if you go back longer to five years, these guys have done a roll up of essentially labor hire stuff like really quite well. Sometimes these roll up businesses really blow themselves up quite quickly. And that's not what's happened here. I'm um, having said that, uh, if you look at the normalized revenue growth um, in the last half, that was only about 3%. And uh, generally speaking, if you want to see sustained profit growth, so the profit, the impact A, which is the one that they report on, it was up 20%, but the revenue was only up 3%. Now, you can't extrapolate that kind of profit growth if the revenue is not just not there, because you can't really improve margins forever, especially not in this kind of business. If they're improving margins, that means they're squeezing someone. And nine times out of 10 in this kind of society, the person they're squeezing is the poor person that's the contract worker that's getting a, a bad deal. Um, now, I don't know if that's the case here, but I'll tell you eventually that's the way it goes, is, you, is you're ending up squeezing the worker. So... Yeah, I don't know if it's the kind of business that I actually potentially want to hold long term myself. But do I think that these guys have done a, a really good job long term? Yes, I do. The other thing to remember is, they've, um, you know, there's been an unusual situation with JobKeeper and all this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm not sure you can really have that much confidence in the profit growth trajectory. I would think of this as a kind of lower growth business. I think it's had a kind of good run. I'd be cautious, cautious of it right now. However, um, Given they have delivered on their, um, you know, their plans when they listed, I, I wouldn't be against them either. So I guess I kind of landed a hold. But mm -hmm. no, no, this is not the kind of business that I look to hold long term. Maybe it's a trade if you get it at the right price. But I want to see like a high quality compounder with a competitive advantage. And I fundamentally fail to see where the competitive advantage is in labor hire roller. This is not a, a buy for Claude. How about you, Rudy? I mean, this Pac-Man uh, sort of uh, impression that we get of the company coming from Claude. Yes, and what what uh, the, the Pac-Man uh, philosophy also does, it, it, it broadens the scope of the company. So this company is actually moving out of the typical sectors that it is it, it was servicing uh, until now. Uh, that that will change the character of the company. Listen, I don't want to I don't want to uh, repeat everything that Claude has been saying. I agree pretty much with everything he said. I mean, it's a roll-up strategy. It, I think the way to look at this one is not as a high-growth company, but as a relatively resilient company, given that it is in, in that healthcare and aged care sector. I don't think it will get a boost from uh, the Royal Commission in aged care. I, I think most aged care 
providers are, even with government support, in, in dire straits. Uh, their margins are, are very, very low, and any cost increases uh, is simply going to add to that. Uh, I do think that people infrastructure here is not, not expensive. They probably will get a boost from those acquisitions. They, they just recently uh, announced two new acquisitions. But I do think that you can buy them here, but uh, it's, it's one of those that you, you have maybe for the next six months, maybe for the next 12 months. But I sort of agree with Claude, uh, longer term, I'd, I'd be more cautious in, in keeping this as a long term investment. It's about people. And that is um, in the movie industry, they say never work with animals and never work with people. Uh, maybe it's the same in the share market. You have to be careful with uh, when, when the business is dependent on people. Yeah, all right. So that is a buy for you as a trade, a short-term hold. Uh, Rudy, that's what you said. Okay, let's go mm -hmm. to baby bunting. This is for Chris. Chris, good afternoon to you. Hope you're watching or listening. Uh, brokers love this one, Rudy. It has mm -hmm. been a performer through the pandemic. Yes. So yes. When, when we're considering baby bunting as a potential buy today, what do we need to take into consideration? I think if I go straight to the core, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's the same characteristics as you can apply to ResMed, to Cochlear, to IDP Education and, 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 and to a, a bunch of other companies. The strong are getting stronger and the, the pandemic is only playing in their cards. So on that basis, you, you own baby bunting here today. It's a reasonable dividend payer. It is sort of commanding that particular market in Australia almost exclusively now for itself. All the com competitors have fallen, fallen by the wayside or are about to fall by the wayside. So I mean, if you're into baby prams, baby clothing, everything that, that goes with babies, these guys are going to be the number one destination to go to. Uh, the shares are not expensive, not extremely expensively priced. Of course, the market is very confident that they will pull it off. That's why all the stockbrokers are positive about it. I find very little to to um, uh, to fault this company on the expectation that um, I mean uh, they they at over time will e equally uh, mm. add a, a successful online channel to their to their bricks and mortar presence. Um, things are looking good for baby bunting. I mean, if the market is yours, how much can you do wrong? Yeah, okay. So that's an interesting point to bring up there. To throw to Claude, is the online channel strong enough with baby bunting to continue its market dominance? I mean, we know what we're dealing with now here in Sydney. Prolonged lockdowns. Gladys saying don't go out and buy anything if you can do it online. Yeah, right. Yeah, look, they've... I think um, I came and talked about this on the call in December on December 2 last year. And it was a similar kind of story then. We're actually in a Sydney lockdown then or about to be, I think. Uh, and I was praising the click and collect uh, function that Baby Bunting has, which we've used ourselves as a family and also is absolutely on fire. Like I think that was up 218% in the last half. So there's no doubt that these guys are top class retailers and Back then uh, in December, I struggled to pick between buy and hold for baby bunting simply because, you know, I'm not a, it, it's on a PE ratio. It was then on a PE ratio of, I think, 36. Now it's on a PE ratio based on the last half. I'm just doubling the last half of about 33. So it's still a fairly highly priced, um, you know, retailer. And the idea is that these guys keep on dominating their niche and they keep on rolling out more and more stores and they are already in that dominant position 
So at a certain point, and I don't know when this is, but at a certain point, they're not going to be able to keep up the growth anymore. And that's why now, with the, with the share price up, you know, a fair whack since then, uh, perhaps I couldn't see from that chart, but 25% or something. Um, I think now that uh, it's probably more of a hold for me with these good retailers. You know, I think in, in a way you can just hold on to them and, until the worm starts to turn. But for me, again, we've got a roll-up business model that's already dominant. It can keep going for many years, but right now it's on like a 1.8% dividend yield. That's not, you're not being paid a whole lot to wait, right? So I think a lot of the people in the stock now, especially as Rudy mentioned, it's been a bit of a crowd favorite, cheery consensus around it. The sociological signals to me said this says this is a much loved stock. It's done nothing wrong. It's quite highly priced. I think that it will be treated quite harshly when the downgrade cycle starts, if it does, which I think it will eventually. Um, but having said that, you know, this is definitely one worth following and keeping on your watch list because basically margins can be fatter in, in retail for babies because people are just a little yeah. bit less cost sensitive when it's <laughs> looking after the little ones. Yeah, certainly so. I think everybody speaks from experience in that uh, in that regard. All right, let's get to the next company on the list, Rio Tinto. This is requested by L. So we are moving toward reporting season and Rio reports on the 27th of June. We know the story, iron ore prices. Uh, you know, would Rio be a buy now though, Claude? Well, I, it's a really, look, let me, let me answer it this way because it's the only honest way I can do it. Most of the stocks I spend most of my time on, I might be the analyst who knows it first or second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth best in Australia. Like, I want to be in the companies that I have big holdings on and I make calls about for my own portfolio. I really want to be in the top 10 most knowledgeable if they're, if they're something like that. Rio is like the absolute other end of the spectrum, right? <laughs> There's like 50 guys in suits that, except for now, they're usually in the city every day, crack of dawn, you know, they're talking to, um, you know, these teams of people in Rio, they've got the inside word, they've got way better information than me. I just can't compete with that. And honestly, I don't, I don't want to, but that's why it's really difficult for me to come out and say, oh, well, you know, I think this. What I truly think is like, I don't know why like anyone would bother owning like Rio or BHP or Commonwealth Bank or any of those ones on its own. Like if you want that, why not just buy the index, right? Like you're just investing in a massive company. So um, yeah, look, no, I, I, I don't really have a view. I guess my, my yeah. feel looking at the macro is that iron ore is flying high. The Rio share price is um, flying high. We're probably closer to the top of that cycle um, than people think. In, in which case Rio is probably got more downside than here, from here than upside. So for me, I guess I skew negative, but with the massive caveat that I, I don't know as much about this company as the legions of analysts covering it. Yeah, right. I think we're, we've got you here to tell us your real opinion there, Claude. So that's it. Now, uh, Rudy, you might see it a little bit different. I mean, I know that you do believe in some ways that everybody should have BHP as part of their portfolio. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, would that include Rio as well? No, I think I think you're wrong with that one. Okay, all right. I'm happy to be wrong. <laughs> I don't think people. I don't think people need BHP in their portfolio. Uh, only sometimes, and sometimes you need Rio as well. 
Um, I, I, it, I have a little bit of a different view than, 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 than Claude has on Rio, and, 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 and this is the following. I mean, I follow, as you, as you all know, I follow analysts quite, quite closely. At this point in time, we have a 80-20, maybe 70-30 proposition in the market where 30% is, is very, very bullish on iron ore producers and 70% is not. And if the, if the bullish side is correct, then these share prices here are by around 25 to 30% undervalued, if not more. That's, that's your bullish proposition. However, if the negative side is, uh, is correct, you have probably as much downside. And that is a proposition that I personally don't find very attractive. This morning, Credit Suisse upgraded their, their iron ore forecasts for the year ahead. In two years' time, if, they're correct, if their predictions are correct, iron ore will be priced at 140 US dollars per ton as an average for that year. What that implies is that the iron ore price is going to halve in two years' time. Uh, people will say, but these guys still generate a lot of cash flow. They still pay high dividends, which is true. It's just that the longevity, the sustainability of that is very much in question. And I would not like to be uh, sitting on a stock that is maybe going to lose 30%, if not over the next 12 months, then over the next 24 months. So I, I prefer to be in, in, uh, in, in stocks that offer me more, more certainty. And I'm happy to leave the 30% upside uh, aside in case the 30% is correct. And I go for different propositions. Okay, that's Rio Tinto for you, L. Uh, I'm sure, guys, we've talked about McMahon Holdings before. This is for Tim. Uh, many say that it's a high-quality operator in the um, services space. It is sticking to its guidance for full year earnings between 85 and $95 million, saying that COVID had a, a negligible impact on uh, its productivity, supply chains, and profit margins. High quality company in your view, Rudy? Uh, cyclical. The, mm -hmm. word to, the, the word that comes to mind is cyclical, and that's what people have to keep in mind. If you take a longer term view, you, you will notice that uh, one, 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 the rally at one day uh, turns into the valley the next day, and and that that's what you get over time. This this goes for this sector in general. This sector should be booming right now because commodity prices are high. Uh, both the energy sector as well as the the mining sector is 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 spending money, is expected to spend money, and these guys should should get should should see at least a chunk of that money coming their way. There are very few companies in that sector that uh, ALS Limited comes to mind that actually have a, a share price that is that is fully valued. The rest is all looking very cheaply. Now that is an indication of how skeptical the market is towards the reflation trade, towards economic growth and towards the sustainability of, of high commodity prices. Is the share price cheap here? Yes, it's definitely cheap. Uh, does that mean it's a great buy? I would say if you can be patient, probably yes. Uh, in the short term, given all the doubts that are creeping in with uh, question marks about China, question marks about inflation and bond yields, et cetera, et cetera, I think, uh, yes, you can add this to your portfolio if, if you have the risk appetite for it. But I also suspect you may have to be patient. So would you buy it today, Rudy? It's not my type of stock, unfortunately, as we know. I don't do these high cyclicals, uh, even yeah. if they're uh, on their knees. But... If you want to buy them, then this is the time to buy them. You don't buy them when they're riding high.
Yeah, right. And I know it's not your type of company either, Claude. So any reflections as to if you were interested in this area of the market, this would be a quality company. Yeah, so the thing Rudy and I have in common, even though that we have different ways of doing it, is we both care about and want to invest in quality because we know that the biggest returns you can get is when you find a quality stock and actually have the guts to hold on for the multi-year multi-baggers. That's what's going to really make a difference. And that's what you can maybe do as an individual investor that fund managers will not necessarily do because they'll be position sizing and, 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 and having to worry about the short term. Because if you have one of these big long-term quality compounders, there's going to be ups and downs. Whereas what Rudy said about McMahon is exactly correct. It's cyclical. It's super cyclical. It's always going to be cyclical. All of the mining services ones are. And so the way that you need to play it is you need to buy it when it's cheap and sell it when it's like maybe fair value and hope it gets there. And if you're really lucky, you'll sell it when it's overvalued and then you could make a really good return. But then again, like I remember Forge Group in 2013 or whatever, it was a mining services company. It was all the rage, it, you know, it tripled and then went to zero. Like now I'm not saying that's going to happen with Mark Mann, and I agree with Rudy that actually maybe now is the time for a punt because you've seen a bit of director buying and stuff. But yeah, it's, it's not, it's not really uh, my game because I want to mostly invest in companies that are where time is the friend of them. And if I just fell asleep and stopped playing markets for 10 years, like mostly, most of them would still be like bigger and stronger companies in the future. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just, it's not my kind of thing. Like occasionally I'll dabble in, in, in sort of trading a, a lower quality company, but it's certainly not uh, the kind of thing that I'm interested in. Got it. Thank you. Last until we hit the halfway mark, on the list is McGraw. MEA is the ticker code. This is for Luke. Hi, Luke. Hope you're having a good Friday. Um, so obviously it is the real estate uh, group. Now it has its founder as, uh, you know, still very involved in the business. Property has been so hot, but I question, you know, whether there is, uh, you know, room for disruption in this space, Claude, mm. that could put a lot of pressure on a company like McGraw. Well, it's a good point, and I do think there is um, room for disruption there. But perhaps if we can get the longer-term chart of McGrath up, um, that'll kind of go go to my commentary here. Is um, generally speaking, there we go. So generally speaking, like what that chart is showing you is that when this thing floated, the people that like trusted the the, the opportunity of buying shares after the IPO, they got immediately and severely wrecked, um, and you know, I just think that one of the lessons that I think that it's taken me too long to learn, it's almost as if I have to keep on learning it over and over again, is like, do not invest in boards and companies where they've wrecked people. It's just a bad idea. And like the example of that that we've seen recently is like Nuix, you know, like mm -hmm. that come down from $10 to $5. And I was kind of like, oh yeah, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's okay now. But like, no, it's not. Like, don't do it. Like, there's never only one cockroach. So now what we've seen with McGrath is it did eventually get too cheap. And there was, you know, an opportunity you could buy when the ebb was really low, when everyone was negative and saying exactly what I've just said then. That is going to, like, that, that was your opportunity to buy. There you go. You can see it on that chart, you know. But now I think we've had a lot of that rebound. And I just wouldn't, like, there are, I definitely think that if you wanted to make a bet on the, um, on the property market, like, this is probably a way to get exposure to that. But, and then we're going to discuss one of these companies later in the show, is 
I would prefer if when I make a bet on like the property market through an equity, I'd prefer make sure I minimize the risk that, um, you know, of like disappointments and, and, and other factors that just that ruin the returns. Like I want to feel as confident as possible that, um, the, the company will do everything it can correctly and not, and not um, get overhyped and that I can just trust that they're going to pay me a dividend. And, yeah. and if worse comes to worse, I can just receive a dividend. Yeah. All right, Rudy. So this is another one of those businesses. I mean, clearly not cyclical in the way that the miners and the mining services players are, but you know, it does benefit when property prices are rising and there's a lot of activity in the market. So again, is this just too cyclical for, for you? Yeah, and, and also been, I'm from Belgium, so it's, it's a great thing to, for me to say, I rather like the Maguire that played cricket than the one that sells houses. <laughs> um, I think too cyclical, this is, this, I mean, real estate agents should not be listed. That's the long and the short of it. Uh, you're way too dependent on, on, on people selling houses. At the moment, riding high, but only on sentiment of the market, I would say. Not my type of stock, white ball, big ball around it, don't go there. All right. Um, I don't get sports jokes. You know that, Rudy. Anyhow, we'll move on from there. Let's sum up what we've learned so far just to give the guys a bit of a break. Uh, we've got out of the stocks to change your life from Claude Walker Energy One. Look, it's got growth potential, not just here. Oh, well, potentially more so overseas in Europe and the United States. And annual recurring revenue means that it's uh, looking pretty good and lots of room for blue sky beyond. Now, the company that could potentially change your life in terms of returns, Rudy Filipek Van Dyke has picked Audinate. So that's the second time this week Audinate has been on this list. And uh, today's timing of the profit upgrade was mere coincidence. Uh, Rudy picked this name yesterday. It's not just on the short-term reopening story for Rudy. I mean, this is something that if the company does become the global standard, it could be a life-changing stock. All right, let's get to the companies that you have nominated. People Infrastructure, PPE is the first one. Uh, look, Claude says it could be in a long-term growth trend, but it's just not the kind of business that he's interested in. You could potentially trade it, but you would have to be very cautious and very on the ball. It's a hold for him. Now, it is a buy for Rudy's today. It's not expensive, but again, he says that investing in companies that really rely on people, it's like, you know, as an actor working with animals, you want to avoid it if possible. However, based on price, it is a buy today. Baby Bunting, it's a buy for Rudy. He says it's strong and it's only getting stronger. It's not extremely expensive. There's very little to fault with this business. For Claude, though, it's a hold. He says it's a top-class retailer, but it's already dominant. So where does the future growth come from for here? He missed the boat. It is a hold for him. Rio Tinto, so Rudy says that Credit Suisse revised its iron ore forecast, go do your own research. It means the price is coming down. Uh, it's not the kind of company that he needs to own at all times because there are you know, better places potentially to get some growth. Uh, Claude's view is that there are people who know this company much, much better than him. Why would you own Rio or BHP for that matter on its own? You may as well just buy the index. McMahon is uh, very cyclical in Rudy's view, which he doesn't personally like investing in. Uh, but if your risk appetite is high and you're willing to hold through the cycles for the long term, now would be the time to buy McMahon because of the price. But for Claude, again, it is potentially a quality business, but it is cyclical. You want to buy these companies low, sell high. However, it's all too dependent on timing. It's not a buy for him. McGraw, it is just a bad idea. 
in uh, Claw's words, uh, if you bought into the IPO, you're still waiting to be rewarded. His rule of thumb is just do not buy into these companies that don't make a go of it after they list. And uh, yeah, Rudy wouldn't touch this one with a 10-foot pull. So that's the verdict on that one, Luke. All right, let's get to the portfolio that we track here on the call. Thanks to our partner at NAD Trade. It's been going since July the 1st of last year. So two thumbs up. We've not got one today. Gets put into the portfolio. Let's check in on the performance over the week, up by about a quarter of a percent over the month, one and a half, and the full year to date, 33, well, close to 35 and a half percent. Some of the companies that we've put in lately, Micro X, Australian Pharmaceutical, Eclipse Group, Link Administration, and Life360. Yeah, I was on that program and we had a whole, I think we had three or four put in the portfolio in one uh, show alone. Now, some that have been removed as of late, Big Cheese, Universal Store, and Northern Star Resources. Check it out yourself. Go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Claude, you haven't had to live with any regrets today, of course, because I uh, haven't taken anything in or out of the portfolio. So great to have it there. And uh, just a reminder, in about 1.15, we'll be speaking with uh, the portfolio manager of Eli Griffiths Group, David Allingham. That is uh, from 1.15, so a bit of a tease for you to stay with us past the call. Let's get to it, shall we, guys? Ellerston Asian Investments Listed Investment uh, vehicle EIA is the ticker code. Uh, this one's for Ryan Claude. So if you would like to gain exposure to uh, Asian thematics, is this the right way to go about it? Um, the No, it's not the way to get exposure. It, no lick is ever the way to get exposure to anything except um, to the fees of the person who's running the, the lick. Um, the way you can just very quickly tell whether you should be investing in, in such a thing is to look at the NTA and then compare it to the price. If the price is below the NTA, then, you know, that's most likely a listed investing investment company and the market is pricing in that's that, that gap is the fees that you're going to have to pay to the manager, um, into eternity or however long it lasts for. And um, the difference is with an ETF is an ETF, it'll, it'll say it's an ETF and you can sell at the NTA, right? Because they have market makers. Yeah. It's, a key, it's a key important difference, right? What happens is if you decide to sell units in an ETF, then the person who, then you get your money out at the price that that ETF is worth. And the person running the ETF is the one that loses out because then they no longer get the fees. Um, whereas with an LIC, you need to find somebody else who's willing to buy it um, and the person who's running the thing never loses out because your the, the fees you're paying are just going to be replaced by whoever buys the units and they're yeah. paying. I, I literally cannot work out why anybody ever invests in LICs. Like the only reason to maybe do it is if the if the um, gap between the NTA and the um, the share price or the or the LIC mm -hmm. price gets so big that you have good reason to believe that that LIC guy is about to go on, you know, a promotional tour of the country and, and tell, um, you know, all of our elderly Australians that they should buy the LIC, then that might close the gap. So maybe you could just buy it then and then sell it to the elderly Australians who've been told to buy it. But I don't really do that either. But the point is, I just don't understand why anyone would ever buy an LIC. It just makes no sense to me. It's like trapping yourself in something. It's like, 
you'd lock yourself in in the dunny and then throw out the key out the window or something. <laughs> so yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. All right, Rudy, would you do that? LICs. I mean, go ahead. <laughs> I, I I think I might be a little bit less negative than um, than Claude, but I'm not positive either. I mean, uh, um, I'm not I'm not necessarily a big fan of of buying uh, an, another fund manager or another basically it's a fund manager Um, for the simple reason that um, one is the fees they take their fees Uh, the other thing also is that we we now have all all these ETFs available and they are lower costs and uh, in practice um, we have these times when when active managers can outperform indices and a lot of times uh, they can't do it and they can't do it sustainably uh, that is a challenge, and 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 that unless you're convinced that they can do it on a sustainable basis, I would say don't go go don't go there, or you want to back up a specific mm-hmm. uh, strategy. The other thing is is that that whole Asian. I mean, I do I do agree that you you shouldn't necessarily put all your money in Australian shares. Uh, it's good to look uh, offshore, but I'm not so sure whether at this point in the cycle you have to go to Asia here. If the the second half if some of those question marks that are now hanging in front of markets, if they somehow end up in a negative sense, then Asia will, will suffer a lot more than Australia and potentially the United States. Yep. Um, so I think you should be careful here by, by putting money in Asia. And uh, today, case in point, we've got Japan's market down by more than 2%. We've got Dali and Iron Ore futures falling out of bed. Asian markets coming under a lot of pressure. Questions over growth there. Hey, guys, uh, Koshi's watching. He's told me to move it along to pick up the pace a little bit. Uh, but this one, I think, the next on the list for Henry is what you were foreshadowing, Claude, a little bit earlier, wasn't it? A way that you would be interested in property and gaining exposure to property via shares. Talk to us about Finbar Group. Yeah, so so Finbar Group uh, is and it's not my area of expertise. It's an idea I got a friend of, off of my friend of mine, but... Basically, it's my favorite uh, way of trying to get a bit of listed equity exposure to like quite hot property markets at the moment. So let me explain why I chose Finbar of all of the options. So first of all, um, you know, Finbar is uh, focused in the in WA in Perth, right? So these guys benefit when the commodity um, complex runs hot because, you know, there's more employment, all of the like lots more people in Perth are, are getting higher salaries. They can afford to pay more for apartments. So these guys are uh, property developers. Mm-hmm. And um, over the last five years, you can see that their share price hasn't really gone anywhere. But what you've got to remember is that generally speaking, over the last five years, the Perth property market has been the weakest of all in Australia. So these guys have been treading water they've been swimming against the current, right? And they've been managing to hold themselves in the same spot, despite the fact that they've had nothing go their way um, in terms of the macro. And now the macro is turning around in WA with all the, you know, property prices. I mean, property prices are picking up, but also you've got, you know, all the employment picking up, all the mining, it's all booming, right? So that's good for them. But on top of that, uh, you know, we also have a situation where, You have the insiders owning, I think, at least 26% of the company. So they've got plenty of skin in the game. And um, they have just been buying shares. If you go and click on the recent announcement for Finbar Group, all you're going to see is basically half a page of change of director's interest notice, which Mm -hmm. are all like them just buying on market at around 83 cents. 
which the share price is only a little bit above that. So basically, um, I think they're aligned and I think they're behaving in a way that says that they think that they, you know, the share price is undervalued. And the best thing about it is, is um, they previously cut their dividends, you know, presumably because they were a little bit worried about the pandemic and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not guaranteed that they're going to increase it again because they've said that they want to keep the cash to invest in new projects. So fair enough if that happens. But if they do increase it, it's going to be a good dividend yield. And even if they don't, I think it's still even about a two and a half percent dividend yield or something like that. So worst case scenario, I'm getting like an okay yield and they obviously think it's undervalued. And I think the downside is kind of limited because they want to buy shares at the low 80 cents range. And so so if I change my mind, I reckon I can probably sell it to them at a tiny loss. And then um, on the upside, if they actually increase the dividend, which they're incentivized to do because they're massive holders themselves, then I'll be really happy because they'll be paying me a fat dividend yield. So the, just the risk reward looks pretty good to me. And... As a result, I still I still like it at current prices. It's just not as exciting as some of the companies that I usually invest in. It's a buy, all right. Is it a buy, hold, or a sell for you, Rudy? Well, first of all, what Kochi doesn't know is that we're going to be a lot quicker in this uh, last <laughs> leg of the of the list. <laughs> we're going to hear a lot more from Claude than from me, that's for sure. Um, surprise number that's what one. That's worried about. Claude- Claude is investing in a, in a property developer. Since when, Claude? Come on. I know. It's I know. a fun one. It's a fun thing. Dilution of the brand. Anyway, I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna be very, very short. I'm gonna be very short here. Way too small for me, way too small. I mean, I had one look at the daily volumes that go around in this share, and I'm 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 surprised that that Claude has managed to buy a few shares. Be careful, it's not a hotel California. You can always get in, but try to get out. So for me, it's a, it's a wide ball around it. No, too small. All right. Well, uh, in keeping with uh, the narrative, let's talk about Nitro Software for Sam. I'm going to start with you, Rudy. So it's a SaaS. It's software as a service. It's used in business, you know, e-signatures and all of that kind of stuff. I'm simplifying it. It's recently made another acquisition. Uh, is this the company, Rudy, that you would be invested in? Do you like it? Do you know it? I know of it. It's on my radar. It looks uh, very interesting, uh, but for me, it's not profitable, and it's 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 early days. Um, I rather uh, keep this on my radar and 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 wait for things to come, and and see what else, what else comes around the corner. I mean, there are plenty of there are more than two thousand two hundred stocks on the stock exchange. You don't have to own all the ones that have it. have an interesting story. So for me, this is more. Put it on your radar and see, and, and keep on following it and see what what the rest of the of the development uh, brings along. If this is a multi-year growth story, there are, there will be plenty of ways to uh, to to get on board. You can see on the chart, it's it's not that long listed, so yeah. it doesn't really have a long-term track record. But I do believe early signs, very promising, very interesting company. So uh, it reminds me, Claude, of one of your sayings. You- what is it? You can't pat all the fluffy dogs. So is Nitro yeah. a buy for you or is it a watch list? Uh, it's a watch list for me right now. Although I have to say, I thought this was our best chance of, of Rudy getting across the line um, in this show <laughs> for a buy. Um, yeah, so there's a bit there's a bit to consider, but I'll just do it. I'll do it quickly. Look, I mean, one thing to keep in mind is that there has recently been one of the co-founders has left, um, sold some shares, as well as Starfish Ventures, the guys that floated it, who 
Um, actually, generally have floated some pretty good companies, so mm, that's not necessarily a bad thing. They do tend to sell out. Um, it has. Uh, I think the important thing to remember about this company is they say, and the evidence suggests that they can operate at break even if they want to, which is always super, super important when you're talking about these earlier stage high risk growth companies. That's really important because that depends on that dictates whether or not they become, you know, desperation capital raises, which is usually what will absolutely ruin your returns. Mm -hmm. and, and also repeat capital raises. You're going to dilute it. Everyone's going to have shares. You're never going to get the share price YOLO that you're looking for um, when it enters the index. You need to keep that register tight. So that's super important. Then the other second thing to keep in mind is like these guys basically directly competing with like Adobe and DocuSign and stuff like that. That's the factor that kept me away from them because I'm just like, yeah, but why wouldn't people just use DocuSign or Adobe? Yeah. And it's a bit of a crowded space with much bigger, funded, richer companies that can be more aggressive in customer acquisition. So that's the number one worry I have. That's what's kept me out of it. And then the final point here is I think fully diluted. They do have a bunch of shares that aren't in the market cap you'll see on Comsec or whatever. Um, it's about 688 million market cap. So that's about 16 times annualized recurring revenue. Probably feels about right. But, you know, there's definitely a price I would buy this at. And I think, you know, I think I could probably say I'd be a happy buyer at 10 times ARR. So, yeah, like, it's definitely one to watch. Mm -hmm. if, if might be one to buy on weakness. But not a buy not today. Not one that I own. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to start with you, Rudy, on this one. Adacel Technologies, ADA. So recently mm. was awarded a contract from the Seychelles. I think that it helps... Uh, you know, government group sort of transition and come up with new systems, technologies, no broker coverage, Rudy. So, yeah, what do you think? Mm. Uh, uh, the track record is not fantastic. Uh, it's probably a reopening trade here, but the reopening trade at the moment is a bit in trouble. Um, no, I, I can't get excited about this, uh, this company. Um, officially, it's tech, but it's, I mean, uh, airlines, aviation, airports—they're uh, not—they're not in the best state, and it may well be that their their investments will be delayed by many, many years, uh, just because of what happened in 2020, and it's going to happen this year. So I, I fail to see a compelling story for for Adacel. Um Can't see it. All right. How about you, Claude? Uh, yeah, I just caution Rudy not to be so uh, optimistic about it. Uh, this is a company. <laughs> this is a company that did 50 million revenue in 2016 and 40 million revenue in 2020. It's supposed to be like a software company and and, and all of that. Um, look, I've been caught in this before. I made a mistake. I I thought that it was on a, a growth trajectory. Uh, it's not. You really, I really just don't think it is. It's over the course of time. This is flat or down. But there are going. There's lumpiness to it. So there's going to be periods where it looks like it's growing and you'll get the share price going up. And because of operating leverage, they can control their costs, right? So when they have a good revenue year, they can cut costs and shoot revenue through the roof. So if you wanted to play a sort of cynical, cyclical trade on this, right now they're buying back shares and they're sort of, their last their 2020 results was like really quite bad even for them. So maybe there's a trade in it, but this is definitely not one that I would recommend anyone buy shares in. Like there's a cynical trade there, but yeah. no. Okay. Vista Group is the last one on the list. This is for Vic, VGL. Uh, so just a couple of weeks ago, it was talking about improving cash flows because it does software for cinemas, you know, a bit of a reopening trade. It's a New Zealand tech company. Rudy, is that enough to entice you? 
No, uh, it's pretty much similar as uh, other syllabus say. I, I, th I think the common denominator here is, and, and, and people always abide by this narrative, like you have to buy stocks cheap because then your, your starting point is already beneficial. But what you will find in practice is that 80% of stocks that are relatively cheaply priced over the long run, I mean, that looks fantastic, but that's a very short-term uh, share price. Um, over the long run, they have their rallies, but they don't really perform that well. I, I think this, I suspect the share price here was up because of the, re the reflation, the reopening trade. But uh, in similar in similar vein, that, that's a better picture there. In similar vein, I think it's, it's a similar problem. I mean, um, theaters worldwide are not in in the in, in the financially a, a very good state uh they then they will not there won't be number one in spending money over the years ahead this company will have a, will have a big big call if it, if, it, if it if it calls out a prosperous uh, future in my view and um again it, it, investing is not necessarily just looking on the potential upside it's about how much risk do you take on board and i think there are much much less riskier propositions uh, in the share market. Got it. How about Vista Group for you, Claude, VGL? Yeah, this is another software company that I have uh, been burnt by. And most recently, I was saying that uh, at $1.66, it was a good reopening trade. That was actually the same December uh, to episode of the call. Now, I really want to stress, I have now just, I've sold it now, like at pretty much current prices at maybe slightly below. And the reason for that is that the share price is up 27% on the like reopening thematic. Nothing particularly good's happened with the company, nothing unexpected. And the other thing is that we're seeing hundreds of films are now going straight to streaming on demand. Like for example, the Milan remake. And um, finally, um, whilst the US is doing really well with vaccination, this is a global company and around the world, um, a lot of people aren't vaccinating, least of all, least aren't vaccinated, least of all children, and you've got variants and stuff like that. So I'm I'm much more sanguine now about the speed of the reopening and the recovery of cinemas than I was in December last year, mm -hmm. right? So I think that maybe cinemas never ever get back to how they were before, and that that's definitely bad news. Like if 20% of the cinemas go bankrupt, then Vista Group's market shrunk by 20%, and its existing customers shrink by 20%. So for that reason, I've now sold my shares. The trade is done as far as I'm concerned. Um, and this isn't a high quality company that I want to like super hold long term. Got it. Vista Group is a sell actually for Claude, which he's done himself. Let's get a little bit of a sum up before we have to say goodbye to you guys. So we started out with Elliston Asian Investments, EAI. Claude has absolutely no desire, no understanding of why anybody would buy into a lick. Rudy's not quite that brutal, but he says, look, uh, the fees are an issue. ETFs are a better way to do it, and there's no need to gain exposure to Asia right now. End of story. Finbar Group is a buy, though. For Claude, to Rudy's surprise, uh, he says, look, the, in, the, the directors have skin in the game. They're buying up, and it could become a pretty good yield story. It's a buy. It's way too small, though, for Rudy, so he just could not be tempted on that one. He also is not tempted by Nitro Software. Claude thought he might have been, but it's not profitable. However, it's on his watch list. He says it's doing inter interesting things, so it's on his radar. Um, look, the question Claude has in, in regards to this one is that, you know, there are other groups in this space that are bigger, that are stronger, that have more money to put behind customer acquisition. So can it uh, win? You know, can it win those customers? But it is on his watch list as well. Out of Cell Technologies, ADA, uh, look, 
Rudy says the track record's not fantastic. Just can't get excited about it. And uh, Rudy, I mean, Claude says Rudy's actually being optimistic. It's uh, not a company that has any sort of growth trajectory that he would be investing in. And Vista Group, the trade is done, according to Claude. He's sold out, so that tells you what the rating is. And uh, Rudy just says, look, if there was any optimism around the reopening trade that's done, there are better opportunities out there. That is the rule of thumb. That is the program. Huge thanks to our guests today. Claude Walker from A Rich Life, Rudy Filipek van Dyke from FN Arena. Hey guys, can't wait till we can meet in person again. In the meantime, have a safe and happy weekend. We'll chat soon. Oh, okay. Thank now, you very much. Now, if there are any companies that you would like us to cover, make sure to flick us an email, the call at osbiz.com.au. And the Osbiz portfolio is at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Now, don't go anywhere. We have the founders of newly listed Silk Logistics coming up. Brandon Boyd, John Sud, following the company's $70 million uh, raising as it looks to grow the business. That's just around the corner. Stay with us.